It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Auburn is not a place. It is a people. The loveliest village on the plains is more than a college sports venue, more than a university filled with historic buildings, more than a quaint little southern town. Its worth lies within its people, those that call Auburn home, whether that be for a single day at a time or for a lifetime. Much like our legendary Tumors Oak Trees, our stories are the product of a firm foundation laid in the beginning of our Auburn story. These are the stories of the Auburn family. These are their roots. Where you go, Auburn family, and welcome back to Auburn Roots, our journey of exploring the stories of your Auburn family members. On episode 31, we're going to be talking to a familiar voice that many of you might have heard. If you're interested in weather, what uh, it's going to be like outside on your weekend, or if there's a, a hurricane coming through, uh, a familiar voice within the Auburn family that I think many have come to know if you've heard him on some other podcasts and things like that. But I want to welcome in my guest for episode 31 to share his Auburn story, Mr. Reynolds Wolf. Reynolds, welcome to the show. War Eagle, my man. It is so great to be here. Excellent. Looking forward I, to it. I have been looking forward to this for quite some time. Uh, we had someone, a previous guest, reach out and say, you know, you should think about uh, interviewing Reynolds Wolf. And I said, well, I'll reach out and see if he's interested in being a part of this little series that we're doing. And I'm very excited that you were willing to uh, take that chance on a, a little small podcast operation like ours and uh, just talk to us a little bit about what's so amazing about the orange and the blue. Oh, man. I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how Auburn University has become such a huge part of my life. It, it, it's uh, interesting because I'm a member of the Sidewalk Alumni. I've never been to a class in Haley Center. I have never been to a class at Auburn University. But my, my roots with Auburn go back to a, a dying horse, of all things. Interesting. And, and to give you an idea about that, when I was about second or third grade in, in at Valley Elementary School as a, as a young kid, this is a uh, late 1970s. I'm on my way home from school, get off the school bus. And my, my family lived on a farm and I got off the school bus. My mom was just losing her mind, hysterical. One of her horses had what is referred to as colic and, and colic is a gastrointestinal issue with a horse and it is is quite often fatal and so this horse of ours was going to have to be put to sleep my mom was losing her mind she she told me what happened i was i will own bananas crying my eyes out and the vet said okay we got two options number one we can put this horse to to sleep or number two can't guarantee anything but if we can put this horse on a trailer we can go down to the equine center at auburn university and maybe those kids have been known to work miracles and maybe, maybe we'll get lucky. And about 24 hours later, uh, I woke up at the equine center, uh, again, as a little kid had spent the night on a, uh, a fake leather couch there at the equine center, woke up, co-ed shared a sandwich with me. And we got some good news that they, they saved my horse's life. Now, again, late 1970s in, in Birmingham, Alabama, where I was, that's it, it, a Crimson Tide city in a Crimson mm -hmm. Tide time. But And I, my dad was a huge Alabama fan. But when you're a little kid in elementary school and a university saves your horse's life, all of a sudden the allegiance changes a little bit. <laughs> so, yes, I became an Auburn fan because of a dying horse and because of a saved horse. I was from that point as a little kid to present day an Auburn fan. I feel like there's a don't beat a dead horse joke in there somewhere. I'm not going to make it, though. I feel like that'd be in poor horse, taste. Horse made it. Horse made it. Lived another 10 years. Sure did. You know, I got to be honest. That's got to be one of the most interesting connections to becoming part of the Auburn family that I have heard in quite some time. 
and I've heard of quite a few of them. A, a dying horse, a horse that needed help, is the way that you switch allegiances. That, that's that that takes the cake on so far the ones that I I've heard. But I would imagine that means you're a pretty big fan of the equine center as a whole, and maybe even the equestrian team. Oh, without question, I, I backed everything that is orange and blue. And and uh, what's what's weird though is as a little kid, you had Doug Barfield, who was the head coach at Auburn. So. Auburn certainly had some great football moments, but it was it was lacking, especially by what was going on on the other side of the state with with Bear Bryant in Alabama. So it, it, that was a time where it was very easy to be an Alabama fan. It's almost the ingrained in your DNA as a as a child growing up in Alabama. You you go uh, with the with the crimson and the white. There's usually something in your psyche in your family. There's always some kind of connection, something that that pulls you into being an Auburn fan. There's always a connection. Uh, you have had someone that went to the university, you had some experience, you had had something. Uh, it's in it's in the bloodstream. But I think it's it's easy to to pull for Alabama always has been. And when you have people and I, I believe uh, one of your guests on one of your recent shows mentioned this. And I, this is so true that when when people move to Alabama from out of state, you think, hey, I'm, I'm pulled for Alabama. It's the name mm-hmm. of the state. Simple enough. That's the reflex. That's what I'm going to do. But Auburn is a little bit more nuanced to be an Auburn fan, I've always thought. And it's funny, too, because you'll notice when you have a lot of these kids who sign with Auburn, a lot of times, what, what do they say in the first press conference? So happy to be at the University of Auburn. They, they, always, they always seem to mess it up at the beginning. But give them three, four years later, it's a mistake they'll never make again. Absolutely. It's it's a very happy mistake. It's one of those things that frequently happens. And I just I kind of I've learned to let it go as much as it irks me. I'm just happy to have them be a part of the family. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt. Well, I mean, you think about Pat Dye when Pat Dye his first opening press conference when he came in from, from Wyoming. Uh, he referred to I think he was he was so nervous is what he what he said years later. He's so nervous. And, and he referred to it as University of Auburn. But yeah, uh, Patrick Fain Dye would never make that mistake again. He never did. That's for yeah. sure. And I think we've learned to kind of just play off of that, those mistakes a little bit too. You know, I've, I've actually not wearing it currently, but I have a state of Auburn shirt. So, you know, we might as well just start acting like this is, you know, this the state of Auburn. And that way, when they pe- when the people say it, it's not so much a mistake anymore. <laughs> exactly. But uh, so we kind of got an idea of where your roots actually begin and began with a horse, but you had ties back to the other university. So tell me a little bit about that family dynamic. You know, your father was an Alabama fan. Uh, Was it something that you were being raised to be growing up and then just because of the situation switched or were, were you just kind of like ambivalent about it, not really seeking to find a side until that point? You know, it, it was my dad, God rest his soul, was such an incredible guy. Both my parents have, have passed away. My dad grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and his father had been a Georgia Tech fan. And his dad took him to a football game where Alabama was was playing at Grand Field. And they had this young coach that came in from Texas A&M by the name of Paul Bryant. Mm-hmm. And dad, as a little kid, started following Alabama at that point. But growing up in Alabama, uh, dad was, he never really tried to force it on me. And as a matter of fact, always wanted me to think for myself and we had a lot of fun over the years uh, being on different sides of the rivalry uh, some of it not so fun one of the last iron bowls went with dad was in 1985 in legion field and that was the van tiffin game and and obviously if you're a, an auburn fan that was the stuff of nightmares <laughs> did not turn out so well that's for sure yeah, it was definitely not one of those kicks that we we live uh, in fond, fondness in our memory. You know, we've got a few things that go our way in terms of special teams, but people forget that back in the day, special teams kind of was the bane of our existence at the time, especially when it was related uh, to Tiffin. And, and I'm happy to hear that, you know, there's, you know, I very rarely run into where there's really any true animosity between family members because of the Auburn-Alabama rivalry. Um, but, you know, we, we all take it seriously on game day and things get a little bit, you know, I want my team to win and things like that. But I'm happy to hear that that was something that he wanted you to kind of think for yourself and select. And, and in, like you said, you, you referenced on a past episode, we've had someone talk about, you know, why would you choose Auburn? Because you're coming to the state of Alabama and you've got to find that reason why and why you connect to it on that level. And it started with you because of the way, not not even football related, because of the way the university cared for something that was so important to you. So talk to me a little bit about more growing up uh, in uh, Alabama and the Southeast and kind of 
memories that you have of Auburn football, Auburn sports, or, or things of that nature as a child before you started your schooling? Well, the idea was to always try to go to Auburn. That was the objective. But when I graduated from from high school, uh, I wanted to get into into broadcasting. Uh, wasn't sure it was going to be meteorology at the time, but wanted to get into television. At that point, really, one of the better broadcast journalism schools in, in, in the state of Alabama was actually Jacksonville State University. So the plan was to go there for a couple of years and then hopefully go to Auburn, but ended up staying at Jacksonville State, got my meteorology from Mississippi State University, but the loyalty to Auburn never, never waned. It never did. Mm. But uh, I'll tell you, as a kid, it, it was it's certainly tough being an Auburn fan when you have all the success over on the other side of the state. And then the flip switched a little bit. You had Barfield going out, you had Pat Dye coming in, and all of a sudden here comes Patrick Fain Dye, former Georgia All-American, former Tide uh, assistant coach, and, and all of a sudden Auburn has got a swagger to it. You know, it's just just incredible. And for his time at the Plains as a kid, how, how great going through middle school and high school following Pat Dye. Uh, goodness. And that, that was, was such a joy. And then you've seen how Auburn really just kind of evolve over the years when you had die leave and you had Bowden came, come in, then you had different, different coaches. It, it's funny. The, you'll have a different feel to it, uh, maybe a different approach, but the, but the R, the Auburn, the Auburn spirit is always there that, that remains uh, unchecked. And uh, it, it certainly is interesting. It truly is. I have to tell you though, too, uh, when I was in television, I left, uh, I started off in Anniston, Alabama, and after I was in Anniston, Alabama, this is early 1990s, took my second job in San Luis Obispo, California, which is way out on the West Coast. And think about this, in the early to mid-90s, this is really when the internet is in its infancy. And remember those little calling cards you used to get, you know, you have 10 cents a minute or whatever, you that, you know, my gosh, I mean, uh, cell phones were really not not a, a big thing. Uh, long distance calling was a fortune. So when I moved to California, it was really like moving to another planet. Cable TV didn't have the same thing. I mean, you didn't have the same kind of coverage. Sports bars were not as prevalent back then. So when you went to the West Coast, you you lost everything. And for me, for a couple of years, I lost everything that was Auburn. I really did and missed it. And I got to tell you, I remember one time going through the airport has to be 94, 95 or so, and walking through LAX and seeing someone with an Auburn jersey. And I, I it's the closest I've ever come to crying in an airport. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, it, it was such a, such a great thing. And, and being out on the West Coast and seeing how they have their passion or lack thereof for USC, for UCLA, for Stanford, for Cal, they certainly have a, a following of college football, but it's nothing like what we deal with. Right. I mean, when Auburn loses a game as a kid, I mean, you're devastated for a long time. These folks, if their team loses, they get over it by the time they're in the parking lot out of, outside the stadium. You know, it's just a different, a different thing altogether. So when I was able to return to the South, uh, I, I, I really did appreciate it quite a bit more. I truly did and always will and never forgot it. I'm happy to hear that comparison because I always I try to ask that for people who have spent time in other parts of the southeast, but also other parts of the country. And then based off of just kind of learning a little about what the stations that you've been involved in, you've gotten a good perspective of what the Auburn family dynamic is like in all these different places around the country. So where outside of, let's say, Alabama, would you say the Auburn fandom is the strongest? I'll tell you, there's, there's a pretty good contingent in places like, okay, I'm listing places where I worked before. Um, Austin, Texas, you'll find mm-hmm. a lot of Auburn people in Austin, Texas. I found more than a few in Central Florida, Orlando, quite a few of them, which is interesting in its own right now that Gus is coaching <laughs> you at, he's now at, for Central Florida. That's going to be interesting. But uh, yeah, generally those two spots, but you will find Auburn people everywhere. And I'll tell you that it, since uh, – I got into, let's see, I've been doing this now 28 years. Last 15 years, I've been doing uh, cable television, national level cable television at CNN and out the Weather Channel for almost nine years, traveling around the country, uh, covering weather events in places like New York City or, uh, my gosh, uh, Hawaii, um, Bermuda. I mean, you'll, you'll always run into people that are Auburn fans. I mean, you just find them everywhere now. And it's it's really a joy, and you do have the connection. Although every now and again, you'll see someone wearing an Auburn jersey, you'll go up to them, and you'll say, War Eagle, and they'll look at you like you've got three heads or something. It's very <laughs> weird. 
It does happen. <laughs> it does. And, and it's all I'm always confused. I'm like, did you know what you were putting on? Would you put like, this, <laughs> this means something? This isn't just a t shirt. This isn't just a hat. This isn't just some other insignia that you've got somewhere on your body. Uh, you know, that that's just a symbol. This actually means something to the Auburn family. And so it is odd when you have those moments, but they still do happen. But I think honestly, if we kind of flip the script on ourselves, it's even odder for the outside perspective person, the people that are watching us have these war eagle moments in an airport, uh, in a bathroom, in a, in a bar somewhere, you know, if you're visiting out in the country somewhere, or even internationally. Uh, I don't think people truly grasp and appreciate, obviously, the culture of college football and college sports in the southeast, but for Auburn as well. And it goes so much deeper than that, which I think brings me to a point I'd like to ask you. Sure. How would you define or how would you try to explain what the Auburn family is to someone? Oh my goodness. You know, it's funny. I I don't know if this answers your question, but I did have a friend who is from the West coast, very normal person, completely sane. um, (laughs) was asking me about the, the passion we have about Auburn football and, and said, isn't it just like all the others, like Alabama's and like say Tennessee, Mississippi, Texas or all that. And I said, Oh my gosh, you couldn't be more, more, (laughs) <laughs> more more wrong when it comes to Auburn football. Auburn is the ultimate of roller coasters. And I explained to him, and I, I actually had a, a friend mention this on a podcast recently, another one. Uh, when it comes to Auburn football, I compare Auburn to being a kerosene-soaked, papier-mâché, fire-breathing, flying dragon, okay? <laughs> now, what you have to think about when it comes to that is, okay, you hear the words flying, fire-breathing dragon, that's pretty awesome, okay? That that's powerful, that's intimidating, that is something to to watch and watch it fly with awe. But at the same time, it's so good kerosene and, and breathes fire and can set itself on fire at any moment, <laughs> which which we've seen happen from time to time. I mean, look at look no further than the 2010 season to the 2012 season. There is a roller coaster that does happen with Auburn fan. It is something that you accept. But the thing that about it, about the experience is I, I see things that happen in life that emulate what happens at Auburn. I know this sounds ridiculous, but we've all had those moments where you might have a health scare. You might have uh, lost a job. You might be struggling at work. We all have those fourth down and long moments. And and you'll think about things that have happened in the past, things that have happened in Auburn, and it, they can be highly inspirational. Uh, I, I remember losing a job one time. We had cutbacks at, at a station where I worked and lost a job. And of all things, I, I heard randomly Pat Dye's speech at the end of the Tennessee game, I believe it was 1981, where he talks about how, you know, you've got those days where you've you got to go back again and again and again. And even if you lose, you keep fighting, keep trying. I, I paraphrase, but that's really the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the thing about Auburn. Uh, no matter what life's give, life gives you, you celebrate the moments that, that are grand. And we do have those moments, but at those moments where you're handed great difficulty, great adversity. You've got to, you've got to steal your spine and you have to push your way through and, and know that better days are ahead. Yeah. And I, I'm really glad you brought that quote up because I think it, it's honestly, when I asked you the question, it's a very hard one uh, to answer and it puts you in a bit of a bind. So, and it does for everybody trying to really pinpoint what this is, but you can go back to those moments, like you just said, uh, and, you know, it's paraphrased so beautifully uh, about just going back on the line again and again and again with Pat Dye. I think that's the Auburn, spirit the auburn family is all about kind of that blue collar mentality you know things don't necessarily always go our way if you're an auburn football fan you know that very much uh for several years you know it will you'll have to wait for something extraordinary to happen but when it does it makes it so much more grand so much more beautiful in a sense and so much more valued uh and but it also has its lowest of lows and that's why you have to just keep plugging it away and i think that's probably why pat die um, I think most people, when you ask them, Shug Jordan is is the the godfather, the the father, so to speak, of Auburn football. When we kind of looked at him as our Bear Bryant, but Pat Dye is something special because he almost awakened the spirit of the Auburn family, in, in my view, and kind of the way he paraphrased what it feels like to be an Auburn fan at times. So I'm glad that you referenced that. This is an interesting thing about Auburn. I think it says so much about the Auburn family, with the Auburn spirit. It is. When you are a head coach at Auburn University, Terry Bowden being the exception, and I think the reason why Terry Bowden is viewed the way he is is because he left in the middle of the season. He took off. But for every other coach that's coached at Auburn, uh, there is it's something incredible that I think is very unusual about the Auburn fan base. We 
tend to go through moments where we want a change in regime. For example, Gene Chizik. But if Gene Chizik came back to Jern-Hare Stadium for the very first game of the season, he would be celebrated, he would be embraced, he would be loved. Uh, I think the same held true, obviously, for Pat Dye. He was adored. He was almost, uh, he, he, like you said, he was the, uh, just held in so, reg- so high regard uh, by, by the Auburn people, Pat Dye Field. And then I think that the time will come that Gus will also be looked at very, very fondly. I mean, think how many former Auburn coaches you have that stay at, in Auburn, Alabama. They keep Southeast Alabama at their home for years and years and years, and then they always come back. Yeah, uh, it's it's very unusual. You don't see Alabama doing that kind of thing for, say, for example, uh, Shula. Never. Right. You don't see Alabama treating Mike Dubose the same way. But in Auburn, we do love our former coaches. We do. Well, it's because they're part of the family and you may have a time where there needs to be a little bit of separation. And that's obviously what's going on with Coach Malzahn right now. But I, I expect fully what you just said there to be a time where we find ourselves with the Malzahns hanging out again in Auburn. Uh, and just being part of whether they live there or not, just being part of the community, even if it's for a day, because, you know, we, it, it, we really mean that when we say that once you're in, you're in, whether you like it or not, <laughs> you're part of the <laughs> Auburn family, uh, warts and all. Uh, with very us. true. But it's a very wonderful family to be a part of. Um, you said you went to Jacksonville State, which is always kind of interesting because when everybody asks, well, who are you pulling for, Auburn or Alabama? We always forget there's these schools like Jacksonville State. There's UAB, South Alabama, uh, plenty of other schools in Alabama that you can have a choice to go to. Um, was it strictly the broadcast journalism that took you to Jacksonville State? Broadcast journalism all the way. There was an anchor, a television anchor in Birmingham by the name of Joe Langston. Uh, I was a tremendous fan of his. He worked at at WBRC in Birmingham. That was the ABC station. And when he retired from television in Birmingham, he became a department head at Jacksonville State University. And I went over to the school and just just went through the orientation to see how things were, just kind of feel out the university. And and, uh, met him, had a chance to hang out with him for an afternoon and I mean, clearly, I mean, career-wise, it was a great a great call for me to make. It, it worked out for me very well. JSU served me very, very well. That being said, <laughs> now I think the finest broadcast school you'll have in the state of Alabama, in my opinion, is Auburn University. I mean, the mm-hmm. communications department is is top-notch. It's incredible. But at that time, it was the, the best place I could go for that 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 line of line of work, for uh, that, that field of study. But uh I got to tell you the two though. When Auburn played JSU, I went Auburn all the way. But man, talk about some uh, some some tense moments, to say the very least. <laughs> I will always remember where I was during that game, and uh, having my heart drop into my stomach when I thought it was over with. Uh, and I would imagine, obviously, as you just said, it puts you in a little bit of a pickle. Obviously, you will always side with your orange and blue. But uh, there's always that affinity for the school that gave you your career. Uh, and, you know, just because you're an Auburn fan doesn't mean you have to go there. And I, and I think we joke a little bit about it. you even called yourself, you know, the the sidewalk fan or, or, or sidewalk some, alumni. there you go. Sidewalk alumni. Uh, I, I always get a little bit not even offended. It's not the right word, but the, I get I get protective of people like you, because I think sometimes there will be a little bit of uppityness for people. Say, well, you how can you be an Auburn family member if you didn't go there? I'm like, you don't get that. I mean, I've talked to several people here on this series alone. That it's it's more than just the university. It's about the concept and and the feeling that you get when you're with this group of people, whether it's around a sport or something else. Uh, so I always try to remind others of that. Is like, yeah, we can joke around about it a little bit. There's you know, it's always all in good fun. But remember that you know this is much different than other thing. Other teams that get their jerseys from Walmart <laughs> and they yeah. have no affiliation whatsoever. Uh, they just picked Alabama because. Uh, it was the popular thing, the team that was winning at the time. Um, but Jacksonville State to Mississippi State. Give me perspective of what it's like being a Auburn fan at Mississippi State. It's not a huge rivalry, but uh, any interesting stories from there? Not particularly. I mean, it's just a great school for meteorology once again. I, that's you, know, you go for the the course of, of study. I, yeah, it's it's interesting. I remember having friends that I, I went to, to high school with and asked them, "Man, where are you going to school?" I'm going to University of Alabama. Why are you going to Alabama? What are you going to major in? I don't know. Why are you going to Alabama? Because Bear Bryant's your head coach. It's like, <laughs> dude, really? That's that's your idea. That's where you're going to choose your school. And yes, I had a lot of friends that had had that kind of mindset. It's very very strange. Very odd how that works. But, you know, your point, Auburn really is a it's 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 a culture. It truly is. And it is it is one of those things where 
uh, I, I love this school because I love this school. You wear that jersey because you bought it at Walmart. It's that kind of thing that you were talking about. And you're so right about it. It's interesting, too, the differences between just your average season if you pull for the Crimson Tide and if you pull for Auburn. I can tell you, I can tell you that for, my gosh, I guess as long as I can remember, I have never watched an Auburn game where I did not feel some sense of anxiety at some point <laughs> whereas if you're if you're an Alabama fan I mean think about last season you're you're basically able to cruise through the second second quarter and then usually after halftime you could probably leave and, and feel pretty confident you're going to walk away with the victory that's this is how it is right at Auburn it, it it seems as though every victory whether it's against Appalachian State whether it happens to be against LSU please let us beat them again uh <laughs> it's something that's we we appreciate it Think about how many how many national championships Alabama has won or claims to have won that they throw away like yesterday's coffee grounds. They're about as as useful as as the paper you'd line a birdcage with. But like Auburn wasn't even a national championship season. But I wouldn't tra- I wouldn't trade twenty thirteen for anything. Mm-hmm. Not a thing in the world. I mean, you think about the magic of that and what it meant to so many people. And I do think that it's a roller coaster. I do think that when you do have a a twenty twelve, the sunshine looks a little bit differently in 2013 you know you, you just you, you see things the, the things taste differently you appreciate so much more the air is cleaner you know <laughs> once you go through these these peaks and valleys these uh these, you you make your way through the canyons then you get to the mountaintops it's uh it's quite the experience and the bottom line with auburn it is never ever boring ever ever <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a season in my lifetime where I've just said, well, I guess Auburn's got a basketball or football game today. I guess they're just going to win. No, I know I have to tune in. I have to sit down and I've got to pay attention because even if we're up by 40 bazillion points, we're going to find a way to make it interesting, frustratingly. But it just seems to be the case all the time, no matter what the sport is. Uh, and we have our low points and we have our high points. But uh, the, the important thing that it is interesting, we don't have to worry about the student section leaving early because they got bored. <laughs> like they That's very Tuscaloosa. true. That's not the truth. <laughs> like they do in Tuscaloosa. Let's talk a little bit about uh, – well, actually, let me ask you this first. If you were not going to go into meteorology, if you had a chance to study something at Auburn, what would it have been? My goodness. That is a, it's a great question. Uh, I, I mean, if there's anything, if I was not into meteorology, I'd probably want to be a writer. Okay. Uh, probably print journalism would probably be the thing. But nowadays, I mean, print journalism really doesn't exist. I mean, it's now you're putting blogs together, that sort of thing. I've got sports writer friends now, but my gosh, 15, 20 years ago, their idea was to put together a great headline and to put together a great column. And now these same guys have had to really go through a metamorphosis where as soon as they're done covering a game or some event, they have subscribers that want to hear a podcast. They don't want, they don't want to read. They want to hear something. Mm-hmm. So that has kind of evolved, but I, I don't know. That is a really great question. That is a, and then you stumped me, but I would say <laughs> probably into some type of, of, of print news. Maybe, maybe we would have gotten in, maybe we would have tried to have been an attorney going to pre-law. I'm not, I'm not sure, but well, I yeah. don't think, I, I don't think I would have been a veterinarian. That's for sure. That's a little bit too tough for me. Way too tough. Well, you got a really close look into that and and what that entails uh, at Auburn early on with the story about the the horse. So I would imagine you learned pretty early on whether that was going to be a route for you or not. And I will say that I'm very proud of many things about Auburn, obviously, but our, you know, our veterinary school and our equine center are just absolutely top notch. You know, it's funny. I think you and I both uh, spend a lot of time live in Georgia and, uh, you know, they obviously have a great veterinary program as well. And I, and I, and I hear people say, Oh, you know, I went to the best vet school in the South, UJ. And I'm like, excuse me. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's funny. My parents always used to joke. They said that they spent more money on horses over the years, taking them down to the equine center to get saved because they went through that process many times where Auburn helped my family out again and again and again and again. But uh, they spend more money on horses and medical care at the equine center than they did in my own education. So the horses were better educated than I was. That was basically their their takeaway. Well, you, you <laughs> joke about that, but you know it's funny to listen. And I've actually interviewed and talked to some equestrian players, excuse me, athletes, and the athletes also include the horses. And the way the horses get treated as part of the equestrian team is just as good, if not better, in some respects, to the actual human athletes. I mean, the the amount that they dote on them, that they you know care for them, that they, you know, it, it's just it's amazing to witness and the amount of money that they pour into that is obviously nowhere near football standards 
but uh, if, if there's definitely something to be proud of, uh, the equestrian program is something definitely to take pride in at Auburn, amongst many other things. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, they are just, just uh, it, it's one of many treasures that you have at the university. Another thing that I've really enjoyed seeing get a great deal of attention, especially over the last 10 years or so, the Eagle flights mm -hmm. and, and just the, the, the great work they do with wildlife rehabilitation at Auburn. It is incredible with the Raptor program. But that is something that no matter where I go in the country, hey, you're an, you're an Auburn fan. Yes, I am. Eagle flight. You know, they instantly recognize that they know it. And that's that's something that resonates with so many people. It truly does. Now, if you had a chance to go to the Raptor Center and, and uh, see back there and take a tour? I've been to the Raptor Center, but it's been it's been probably about 10 years. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I uh, typically go to maybe maybe two to three Auburn games a year. Obviously, that's changed with uh, the, the pandemic, but hopefully going to get back in this year and, and typically go do live shots for broadcast at Tumor's Corner and then usually end up on the sideline during the, the, the games. Uh, the last big one I went to was the Iron Bowl a few years back but was actually on the iron bowl was actually on the 15 yard line during the kick six of all things wow and uh got to be on the sidelines for that that was a that was ridiculous it's in indescribable really really is well try to describe it for me because i was in the stadium with you i just didn't have your perspective now were you on the 15 scoring or 15 where he caught i guess that he was running towards the other side of the field well, there used to be a rule in the SEC that you could actually walk the length of the field, the length of the sideline, and then they changed that back for safety's sake that they wanted you from the 15 north to the 15 south on either side, either the visitor or the home side. I was in the northwest corner of the stadium. So mm -hmm. if you're familiar with that, it is the opposite of where the giant scoreboard happens to be. And if memory serves, uh, my gosh, I think, it, I think Jay Tate was to my left. And from our vantage point, when, when the kick – occurred when they when they called the timeout and Saban had his tantrum they put that one second back on the clock and all that nightmare uh we saw the kick going up and as the kick was going up from our vantage point again we're at field level to me it looked like it was good it, it did initially and I was thinking holy moly here we go it's 1985 all over again and they're going to win in Van Tiffin style but we saw the kick going down and, and we didn't see Chris Davis make the catch because to my right, you've got just this wall of humanity. You've got field personnel. You've got assistant coaches. You've got guys holding clipboards. You've got the, the whole team. And I, I, from our vantage point, could not see Chris Davis making his way up the sideline. There's just this pandemonium, this, this wave of, of just guys losing their mind, going nuts. And then, boom, saw Davis run just feet in front of me, passing me on the 15, and then just going into the end zone. I mean, so close I could reach out and touched him. And just this disbelief, what in the heck just happened? And not really knowing or understanding and just hearing the stadium go bananas. So it was uh, it was an out-of-body experience, it truly was. Then, of course, hearing Rod Bramblett's call later on, which was all over the media, all over the Today Show the next day, and everyone was playing it again and again, just really added to it. So it was uh, one of those great moments that you got to relive time and time and time again uh but uh being there at that moment was was ridiculous hey auburn fans i want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special here at the e2c network we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for auburn fans out there and best of all it's free to you but just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support whether you decide to join or not we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our e2c network family well that's it timeouts over let's get back into the episode now where were you when this happened 
I was in the student section. I was not a student at the time, but I somehow <laughs> got in there. Uh, and uh, I was sitting about the 40-yard line, 45 maybe, uh, okay. up in the student section. So I had a good vantage point of what was happening. But the, the funny thing about it was is we saw Chris Davis hit about midfield, and he made that last cut to cut back in towards the middle of the field. And we realized there was no one going to touch him. And that's the last, I saw him make that cut. And that's the last thing I saw because there is a literal dog pile, a, a tiger pile in the middle of the student section before he even hits the end zone. So I actually never saw Chris Davis <laughs> score the touchdown, but I knew he did. And somehow I made it through out of the pile and down to the field. Uh, we might've even crossed paths down there. <laughs> that is incredible with the absolute madness that took place uh, down there. So I, I'm very happy that you were able to uh, obviously witness that in person, because, you know, it's, it's amazing to me how many people have that story of being there because, you know, it's only a, what, 88,000 uh, fan stadium. And, you know, everybody obviously witnessed it on TV, but the, I keep every day. I'm like, wow, how many of us were actually were in this stadium? Yeah. Like, did, did we go over a hundred thousand? Is that actually what happened in this event? <laughs> there was an electricity. I felt like that weekend in the air that I had never experienced in my lifetime. Uh, and I've even asked people to compare it to something they said, and they kind of go back to the first ever iron bowl in Auburn in uh you know in the early 90s and they said yeah that, i mean that that feeling in the air we didn't had no clue if we were going to win or not but they did, there was just this feeling it was going to be special and i think that's kind of what why we all we look back to that time because of the event and what we were all part of but there was it's just this feeling the the way it all kind of encompassed everything on that weekend there was definitely an aura to it you're you're right about it there was a there was a feel there was something very strange very odd very mystical about it what's interesting too about that play is that it it kind of shrouds one of, in my opinion, one of the better play calls that Malzahn ever made, and that was the 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 pass that Nick Marshall made to Sam. Uh, yeah, was it was it Sammy Coach out on the mm -hmm. flats? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you'll remember, he takes the ball, rolls out to the left hand side, and the Alabama defender has got to make a call: is he going after the quarterback or is he going to go after after Coach? And that's when he lofted it up, just little dumb pass and and then of course he went up the sidelines and scored the touchdown but just incredible it's almost like a giant option play mm -hmm. and uh all of that the shine on that was taken away and rightfully so by by the, the the kick six but what's interesting is is i don't think alabama in their history has a singular moment of that caliber maybe of course the the, the touchdown the two had in the championship game for them i mean i guess that that obviously the big one but where you had so much riding on it, your arch rival, national television, everything is on the line. And then for their coach to argue, have that tantrum and get that one second put on the clock. I mean, it was the most delicious moment if you're an Auburn fan. <laughs> Nothing could ever top that, ever. Oh, just eat it up every day and twice on Sunday is what I always say. Just, oh, it's I the Christmas it. toy that never needs batteries. It's the Christmas toy that always gives. <laughs> it's always there for you. And I do remember USA Today the following day in their sports section had this beautiful shot. And I believe it was USA today. And it was, it was Davis going up the sidelines and then you had Alabama players behind him And the, in the, the, the headline said they will chase him forever. Mm. And they will. I mean, it's, it's, it belongs to, if you're an Auburn person, if you've got orange and blue in you, that moment belongs to you forever and no one will ever, ever take it away. Incredible. Some people to this day still still say that Chris Davis is running somewhere. I, you know, I saw him <laughs> one other time, but I think he was just passing by because he was making another lap around the globe. You're right. They have never caught him to this day. It's obviously a, a probably the single greatest Auburn sports moment of all time. So let me ask you this. Maybe try as best we can to take our orange and blue glasses off. Is that the best sports moment of all time? Do you think it can be in that type of discussion? Well, I mean, the only one that I can really think of is the Stanford play, Stanford and Cal playing, where they had, I guess, was it the the six lateral, I mm -hmm. guess, and uh, I guess John Elway was playing for Stanford. And it's that famous game, I want to say it was back in 1982 or 1983, where you already have the marching band going on the field, and after the six lateral, the guy knocks, him, knocks I guess, the tuba player over in the end zone and scores the touchdown, and it's over. But see, you have to look at what the game meant. That game, I think, I think Cal had a losing season that year. Stanford was just mediocre at best. So it doesn't the, the ending is grand, but it doesn't have the same kind of merit. It doesn't have the same kind of meaning behind it. Uh, I, I can't think of anything that tops that. Uh, the 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 kick six. I really I really don't. Someday someone's yeah. going to come close to it, but I can't think of anything. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely one of those uh, conversations. If you were to take a group of maybe the top five sports plays of all time, you're going to probably find arguments for the other one. But when you really start breaking it down and and talk about the context with which it happened and how how even the moments as you already said the the pass from Nick Marshall to Sammy Coates how it all got there I mean we forget too that you know I forget uh AJ McCarron threw a I think a 90 something yard bomb 99 yard touchdown pass yeah 99 yards gosh almighty yep and so we forget the context with when, and then obviously the weekend and then what took place after that. So when you take all that and package it together, it's got an argument for the greatest college sports moment, but also the greatest sports moment of all time. We'll let other people figure that out though, because obviously <laughs> we're, we're slightly biased just a little, a little bit. bit. Now I would like to ask you a little bit about uh, your time and still time as a working for the the Weather Channel, and maybe tell us a little bit about how you got there. We know you got your start at JSU in the Mississippi State studying broadcast journalism and then meteorology, uh, but tell me a little bit about how that came about. Okay, super fast, so I won't bore you or put our, our great listeners to sleep. Started <laughs> off in Anderson, Alabama, uh, TVWJSU40, then went there from San Luis Obispo, California, the NBC affiliate, was there for about a year and a half, Austin, Texas, KXAN, for three years, then from Austin to Detroit, Michigan, from Detroit to Orlando, Florida, then from Orlando, Florida to St. Louis, was in St. Louis for 13 months, two weeks, two days, and one hour, and uh, <laughs> then ended up at CNN, was in CNN for six years, now at the Weather Channel this fall, it will be nine years. And that time, I've covered floods, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, covered tropical systems in the Pacific Ocean, in the Gulf of Mexico, in the Atlantic. Um, on assignments, I've been to Indonesia, I've been in the Amazon, uh, you name it. Um, and, and the lower 48, uh, very few places I have not been. But it's been a real adventure. Um, I'm one of those guys who would probably go crazy if I, if I was doing the exact same thing every single day. And thankfully, meteorology is one of those things where it's impossible to have two days that are exactly alike. There are always going to be subtle differences. And with this job, you, you get to see the world. You really do. And, and at the same time, you get to see the very worst of what can happen. But you also see the very best. And the odd thing about it is when we do have these terrible natural disasters, every single time you see the best of what America was, is, and can be. Mm -hmm. Everyone always, Americans always step to the surface. They always help each other out. And uh, it is, it's an amazing thing to see. We have people that, that will get together and help each other out. They don't care what your name is, what you look like, where you're from, what you call yourself. It's people helping people. And uh that's really the, the beauty of it. At the end of the day, it's not about temperatures or, or humidity or, or, or storms. At the end of the day, it's, it's about people. And, and uh, that is really the, the magical thing about it. Um, but uh, we live in a, in a, in a crazy world weather-wise with, with amazing people. And uh, it's, it's uh, amazing to watch this balance between life and, and what, can, what can harm it. Yeah, I think that was very beautifully said. And I think if I may tie it back to obviously our major discussion port here in your Auburn story, kind of some things that you've echoed about the Auburn family. And obviously, again, we have our orange and blue glasses on, but I really think that the Auburn family is a is a great example of what the, the nation as a whole can is in some ways and, and can be in the future uh, of how they respond to situations like that for each other, but not just for each other, but for other people as well. Uh, many people remember the uh, horrific tornadoes that ripped through Tuscaloosa and, yep. you know, just devastated lives there. And some of the first people to arrive on the scenes to help were the Auburn football team. And obviously that's not something that they have to do, but coach Gene Chizik at the time felt like this isn't, this is, this is something we have to do. Because not just because it's the right thing, but because this is who we are. Even our worst, quote unquote, enemies, we need to show and love uh, them in, in ways that they really need to be loved right now. So I, I th do think that what you echoed there about what is good, great about our nation has been, is currently and can be continue to be in the future is echoed within the Auburn family as well. Oh, I, I completely agree. And one thing that's great about Auburn, too, is that if you try to pin down the Auburn fan base, you can't say – they are all conservative. You can't say they are all liberal. You can't right. say they are all wealthy. You can't say that they're all poor. Uh, they run the spectrum. And, and what I'm looking forward to, and I'm sure you are and, and, and the, the entire families, I want to see a Jordan Hare Stadium 
packed to the gills. I want to see it healthy, happy, crazy. And I guarantee you, the moment you've got toe hitting leather, you're not going to hear any arguing at all among Auburn fans. Well, all whatever differences we may have as a people, all that goes away. We're united by by the orange and the blue, and that's a beautiful thing. And now more than ever, do we need that? We truly do. Absolutely. And I, and I do think that several other people have, have echoed those same sentiments. And I, I think by and large, we all do. And I think that's a great thing that we can continue to do as the Auburn family. But back to your time on the Weather Channel a little bit. Do you ever do any little homages to Auburn? And when you're in studio or out in the field, do you wear orange and blue in subtle ways or not so subtle ways? Here's the problem. I, if I, whenever I go to a game in Auburn, whether if I'm broadcasting there, I, I refuse to wear orange and blue. And the reason why I refuse to wear orange and blue is, is the, the few times I have worn anything orange or blue together, Auburn is lost. <laughs> so there's a very strange thing. I, I'm extremely superstitious. Now, when I'm in studio, we will often show live cameras from around America. It could be one in Buffalo, New York. Maybe there's one in Austin, Texas showing Sixth Street, and we will give like a shout, hey, good morning to you in Austin, Texas, that kind of thing. But we often show Tumor's Corner, and I will always give a big war eagle every time I see it. But uh, anytime there, there are storms that are rattling through parts of East Alabama, if it's in, in Lee County, uh, you'll, you'll hear me mention a couple of, if, if you're listening, you'll, you'll hear me mention Jordan-Hare Stadium, you'll hear me mention uh, Auburn Arena. I, I'll always pick out a few subtle things as landmark features where weather may be going through. But uh, always, always try to mention something. And on occasion, I'll, I'll give a dig or two to the, the vertically challenged uh, coach on the other side of the state, too. <laughs> I love it. You know, I love it when someone can be professional, but at the same time, have a little fun with it. And I think that's what keeps it fresh probably for you. Uh, you know, obviously you do work at a, a career that obviously has a lot of change and variance to it and keeps it uh, fresh for you. But uh, any anytime someone can be professional, but yet have a little fun with these little, we'll call it, quote unquote, silly little things like college football. Uh, it's, it's always a good thing to work that in there. So I will surely be paying more attention to that um, because we are, you know, always grateful to the weathermen. Now, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask. Uh, do you how often do you get the you know the weatherman jokes about how you, you messed up my weekend and predicted that wrong <laughs> we get that quite a bit but that's it comes to the territory right i mean if, <laughs> if you if you're a meteorologist and you're not willing to take that kind of criticism then you got to find another profession because that goes with it it really yeah. does but uh, yeah you often hear that that's the only job in the world where you can be wrong and and you still get paid I'm thinking yeah. well you know I know quite a few attorneys who've been wrong before and they get paid. I can think of some referees. I can think of some doctors. I can think of some judges. I can think of, there are quite a few people. Teachers can be wrong and they still get paid. But uh, it, it's a joke that that it's it's an old one and it does have some merit to it because the weather is not always easy to forecast. But uh, I, I will tell you though, when it does come to the weather, uh, I did this, I had a, a great opportunity a few years back that we had on the Weather Channel called 100 Yards of Weather. And we went to coaches around the SEC and the ACC, and we would start on the on, on the goal line and walk 100 yards from one end of the field to the other. And the, the idea is I would speak to the coach with football questions, but they had to be related to the weather. For example, if you're a head coach, what is the perfect weather to play? And what is the worst weather you've ever had? What, how do you train when it's, when it's cold or hot outside? That kind of thing. And spoke with a variety of coaches uh, in, in several conferences. And... Um, yeah, I actually had a chance to to hang out with Gus Malzahn for an afternoon, and I, he, he's fantastic. He was he was just a wonderful guy. And it's funny too. Uh, in, in Gus's defense, he, I think he really had a difficult time when he was on camera. He was kind of tense up a little bit, but mm -hmm. away from cameras, away from microphones, he entirely different person. Very charismatic, very laid back, a lot of fun. And I really hope to get the same opportunity with Coach Harrison. I, I he I'm sure he would have a lot of. A lot of uh, weather stories being from Boise, being from Idaho, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that too in the near future. You know, I often wonder that what was Coach Harson thinking? You know, obviously outside the context of coming to take on the challenge of competing year in and year out against Alabama uh, for as an Auburn head football coach, but you're going from the the snowy mountains and, and the freezing temps of Boise, Idaho, to the sweltering, just oppressive humidity of southern uh we'll call it central alabama i i just you know you're obviously used to it because you're everywhere around the country and they've yeah. seen it all but i just i cannot understand how he's going to deal with it this first season because i don't know if he's well i guess actually now that i'm thinking about it he spent some time in arkansas so that's comparable i guess 
<laughs> it's comparable. And you'll have to remember that Coach Dye was in Wyoming for a bit. Although, let's be honest, Coach Dye also a Georgia guy and spent plenty of time in Tuscaloosa, too. So he knows about the heat. Speaking of which, I know this is an Auburn show. Uh, Nick Saban is a tremendous fan of the Weather Channel. We have had, had, we've had Coach Saban on a couple of times. Uh, I know he's supposed to be the enemy. Actually, a, a very good man, a very decent guy, but intense as you'll ever, as you can ever imagine. When I was dating my wife, and we were dating up in Detroit, Michigan, my wife was a Michigan State alum, and we started, as we were dating, would go to Michigan State games, and Michigan State hired this young coach from Toledo by the name of, oh yeah, Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. So I got a chance to see Coach Saban up there for a number of years. And then when he made the jump to LSU, I kind of had the idea well, what what might have been coming. And sure enough, it's it's played up just as we we feared. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can obviously still have the respect for, for the coach as much as you may not like what they've done to your team uh, oh, over the years. Course, but the, the respect is still there and you can appreciate what has been put together there. And in some ways... We don't want to emulate it exactly, but we obviously would love to have that type of success. Um, although, uh, as we have talked a lot about in this thing, there, there's something special and unique about Auburn. It may feel differently if we had had the level of success that they have had over time. And it, it's not that it's it had been a different type of special, I, I would hope. But uh, I, I always say this to Pope for, for all their trophies, for all the glory that they've seen over the years. I wouldn't trade being an Auburn Tiger for anything in the world you know, rain or rain or shine, just, it just, it's an absolute roller coaster ride, but it's an absolute joy as well. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Absolutely. You know, what's amazing is that's really spread away from not just football, but now we feel the same way about basketball, about our baseball team, about mm-hmm. our women's softball, about women's basketball, about equestrian or our, our swim teams diving. I mean, it just goes on. It covers the landscape. It truly does. Our golf yeah. teams. It's yeah. uh, it, it does. There is no beginning or ending to the 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 fandom or the support. It it covers the the whole Auburn universe. It truly it, does. It absolutely does. And we are obviously blessed to be a part of such a unique ind- uh, group, but also a a very special group as well. So we, I think we've reached the point in your Auburn story uh, where I'd like to get through a rapid or ra- not so rapid fire questions here at the end, about 12 questions where we get to just have you answer this or that, or your favorite okay. this. Sometimes I might ask for a little explanation. Some of these might be a little bit redundant, but we'll see. I'm always surprised sometimes by the answers that people <laughs> pick. So we can jump into that if you're ready. You bet fire away. All right, question number one, orange or blue? I'm going to go blue. And why? You know, it's, I've, I've just always been a blue guy. I like the way orange stands out. I think they go together very well. But when I see orange, I, I instinctively think Clemson. Clemson mm-hmm. comes to mind first. And Florida, old Florida, 1980s, orange comes to mind. But blue, something about it, it just says Auburn. Yeah, I, I was thinking you were going to be a little bit stereotypical of blue skies, a meteorologist. But <laughs> I'm glad you kept it within the sports realm. Uh, question two, let's see which allegiance you choose, Aubie or War Eagle? Aubie. Aubie's the man. Aubie's charismatic. Aubie's great. Uh, the Eagle, kind of terrifying. Yeah, he's got the talent. <laughs> he's got the beak. I mean, he could take me on a heartbeat. I mean, what is, what is Aubie going to do? Aubie's going to give me a hug. Always gonna high five. Albie and I are gonna gonna hang out and chill. But that the bird, there's no there's no conversing with with the eagle. He's gonna take you out if you're not careful. You are not kidding uh, whatsoever. Just a little quick aside. I actually worked at the Raptor Center and uh, I uh, got to know them very well. And I actually work with birds to this day. So I, what you just said is you're not gonna really. They might converse with you, but in a different way. Uh, there's. The respect is definitely due on their part because they are magnificent birds, but they can be very, very, uh, we'll call it, uh, they they just deserve their room. We'll we'll put it that way. Absolutely. No doubt. Question three, what's your favorite part of the Auburn fight song, a word or phrase, any, what's your favorite part of it? Uh, Let's see. Uh, War Eagle win for Auburn. Power of Dixieland. I mean, it's that, that's part of it. The history that goes into it. Uh, Maybe, maybe, you know what? It's, it's, War Eagle flight in never to come uh, forever to conquer, never to yield, maybe never to yield, never giving up is maybe it. It's hard to, hard to take one line out. Um, yeah. Uh, War yep. Eagle loyal and true kind of fight on your orange and blue or fearless. Is it fearless and true? Well, fearless I, I and should, mm-hmm. yeah, God, yeah. I, 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 I take any of those lines. I say probably um, loyal and true. There you go. Question four, your favorite Auburn, uh, sports program. I, th- I think it was kind of obvious what we spent a lot of our time talking about, but do, if you'd like to c- declare allegiance to one or the other, now is the time. For two years, 
when I was in high school, I went to the Sonny Smith Auburn basketball camp. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Let me tell you back in, in the eighties. So I, 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 as much as I love football, I am actually more of a basketball fan at heart and to see what has happened with Bruce Pearl and, and what a great, great part of Auburn, the Auburn family he has become. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's uh, I, I do love my football, but I am very happy when, when basketball season is, is around. Um, that's, that's really tough. I, I would say probably, I have to pick a number one. I would say I would say basketball fifty one percent. I'd say football forty nine percent. No joke. Well, we'll just have to get together another time and talk about basketball stuff because I didn't know you were this big of a basketball fan. That's Huge basketball awesome. fan. Tremendous awesome. basketball fan. Absolutely. And Bruce Pearl, I think, is just you know, it's hard to put into words what Bruce Pearl has done for Auburn, but also the obviously the Auburn basketball program and. I just, you know, I, I live in constant fear that someone's going to snatch him away from us. <laughs> I, just, I get it. How, I get it. Uh, how on earth do you, you know, why do you choose Auburn? But I think when you hear him talk about Auburn, when you hear, uh, you know, what he's been through, the struggles that he's had and, and how he's ended up here, I think he, he gets it. And I think he appreciates what he has found in Auburn. So my hope is that we uh, have him here for the long haul. And hopefully he'll, he'll be one of those coaches that we look back. We already will but uh, we'll be raising up a statue of him at some point down the line. Well, in a sense, he's the embodiment of the Auburn story. We all have tough times, but you never give up. You keep fighting. You believe in yourself. You believe in your loved ones. You believe in your family, and you believe in the mission, and that's that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very – he's a great representative. He truly is. And, uh, you know, to me, in many ways, he is the – He's the basketball version of, of Pat Dye. He gave us a, a swagger, once again, when it comes to basketball, that we have not had for a very long time. And you compare Tony Barbie to, 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 to Bruce Pearl, my gosh, that's a, that's a sea change. That is a, that's a different universe altogether. It, it absolutely is. Uh, that, I, I cringed a little bit when you said that. Now, we just got done saying a little while ago that we, we try to look back with love at our former coaches. We have a little... You know, every once in a while, there's a little less affinity just because of some situations and things like that. I, you know, I don't want to disrespect him in any way, but uh, we are very thankful for what we have now. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, that's the truth. All right. Question five, your favorite Auburn athlete. Favorite Auburn athlete. Um, goodness. Everyone, I'm sure, would say Bo, Charles Barkley, or Frank Thomas. Those are, those are the ones that, that always come to mind. I, I really liked Reggie Slack. Reggie Slack was one of my favorites. Great quarterback. Loved Reggie Slack. Uh, and then, let's see. Um, my gosh. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's going to have to be Reggie Slack. Yeah, I don't think we've had anybody pick Reggie Slack yet. And I think it's one of those people that's sadly not, I won't say get forgotten, but just kind of get passed over from time to time. I'd probably put him in the same vein as a Nick Marshall. We obviously don't forget him because he's more recent. But I don't think we appreciate sometimes how integral to some uh, successful eras that certain players were. And I think Reggie would be that for you. You know, if if you want someone who's a bit more recent, I've got to go back to Cody Burns. Cody Mm. Burns is is such a great Auburn man. And what an incredible story Cody Cody was for Auburn. I wish him all the very best where he he is now. I think he's going to be successful. I hope success finds him no no matter where he goes. But I will always appreciate Cody Burns. He's definitely up there. Be barking up my tree here. That's that's my man crush, uh, Cody Burns. <laughs> He's uh, love that love that man so much. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, question six: Your favorite Auburn coach of all time? Wow. See, that's that's tough too. It's like trying to pick your favorite kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I love Coach Tuberville. I love Coach Die. Uh, I, I love Coach Malzahn. Uh, I love Coach Chiswick. Um, I would probably I, I'd probably have to go with with Pat Dye. Um, mm-hmm. Just. He was the John Wayne. He was the John Wayne of the, of the Auburn coaches. If there's a Mount Rushmore, he's, he's definitely got the most chiseled face. He's definitely the one that I, I <laughs> salute to without a doubt. That's a great way to phrase it. I, I would never have put those, that, that description together with him, but it's very, it's very appropriate. <laughs> but, you know, there's something else to the voice. There was something about the voice, too. He has that, that, that old Georgia, uh, south, southeast Georgia, uh, just that, that syrup that 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 would just tumble out when he when he spoke it was beautiful just a great accent that really doesn't exist anymore i mean you listen to kids speak nowadays they emulate what they hear on youtube so we're losing so many of these great old accents that you have in the deep south and he was he was definitely a a uh just uh the the embodiment of of a, of a football coach of that day and age i mean that's it's just a, it's a time that's lost and i don't think we're going to see those those type of guys ever again it's very sad to think about it that way, but I think that makes him even more special uh, for that exact reason. 
question seven for you. Your favorite non-athletics Auburn person. So a little clarification can be a family member, a friend, uh, you know, a, a celebrity out there. But if there is an Auburn person outside of sports, who would that be? Oh, gosh, I was going to say David Housel. I, I adore David, but David is he's pretty much part a huge part of Auburn, Auburn mm-hmm. sports, um, obviously. Oh, goodness. Uh, who could that be? Let's see. Probably whoever was making the 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 lemonade at Tumor's <laughs> Corner a couple years back that my kids went bananas over. That's certainly one. Yeah, maybe that's one. I, I, that. I, I couldn't really come up with, with really anybody. I, I, I love everyone that I, I've gotten to know at Auburn. Hey, that's a good one. That's some good lemonade over there. So, you know, I don't know that we'll ever get the, the full recipe because then we they the secret would be, be out. That is some good lemonade over there. Got that right. Uh, question eight for you, your favorite Auburn building can be, obviously we're thinking of on campus, but if you can make a case for off of campus, but your favorite Auburn building used to be supper club used to be the supper club. And I, I think a lot of people uh, miss, miss that place. Um, you know, I, I can tell you one of the coolest things to me is Auburn arena. I know it's a sports venue, but, uh, as a kid and I would go to basketball camps, we were always at, at Eves. We'd always go to the, the Eves Coliseum, this huge hulking cavernous thing. And when they first came up with Auburn Arena, I was thinking, my gosh, a smaller, smaller center. What, what are we doing here? And, and it, it's just it's been so perfect. It's such an intimate setting for basketball. It's uh, I, I think they did a great job with it. I'm very, very excited to see how the, the football facility turns out. Uh, blueprints I've seen so far, um, just the 3D renderings look amazing. They truly do. Yeah. The, the Auburn definitely feels, especially in its sports um housing and sports facilities is is starting to take a turn in a very, very productive and very important direction, I feel like. So I think that we're very blessed to be in a time where we're going to see some of these changes. And obviously, whenever things new come into the picture, old things sometimes either get removed or forgotten. And that's a little bit sad, too. But that's the whole thing. Change is an important thing as hard as it may be sometimes. No doubt. But I mean, if you think about older buildings, uh, I would say Sanford Hall is one of those. I mean, mm. you look at Sanford Hall, that is a just a, an epicenter of historic moments. I mean, you had students going out there uh, listening to the radio on December 7th, 1941, hearing about Pearl Harbor. I mean, it's just been a, a spot where people have gathered for a very long time on those steps. Yeah. Uh, it is but, the quintessential uh, gathering place for the Auburn family. Question is. nine, your favorite Auburn place to eat. You know, it doesn't even exist anymore. There's a place called Buffalo Connection that used to be right up near Tumor's Corner. And and uh, I, I it just my my opinion, um, that was that was the greatest. And then when they took it down, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's not really a place to eat, but 1716 is always nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say a, a place in the past that would have been Buffalo Connection. I now vaguely maybe, remember that. Yeah, it's a great place. Uh, maybe now uh, it's it's relatively new. Voodoo Wings is great. But, uh, for a time when, when Gus was there, maybe even Waffle House for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think Waffle House might not that they'll never be hurting because who doesn't, you know, utilize a Waffle House at some point in their life. But, you know, I, I'm sure they did very well while Gus was in town. <laughs> very much so. All right. We got three questions left, and these are sometimes the hardest. Question 10, your favorite Auburn tradition. It can be sports or non-sports, but your favorite Auburn tradition. Well, everyone always says, I guess, just, I guess, being a tumor's corner after the game, uh, rolling the oaks. And, and I, I think that is a, a great tradition, no doubt. But um, pre, pre-game eagle flight is pretty incredible. But there's something about the tiger walk, seeing these young men walking into battle is, is just insane. And I was not there. Uh, I was I was actually at the game in 1989, the first one that that took place, the first Iron Bowl that took place in in Jordan Hare Stadium. But I was not at that Tiger Walk, and I wish I, I had. But to hear people talk, you hear David Housel talk about that Tiger Walk, uh, just brings me to tears. I mean, what it meant to so many people, and and to this day, there's something staggering about seeing these men, uh, these young young people walking through the sea of humanity before a <laughs> tremendous game. It's it's. Uh, it's incredible. It touches the soul. And if it doesn't, you need to check your pulse because you might not be alive. <laughs> Amen to that. Question 11, your favorite Auburn memory? Auburn memory. Uh, I mean, you've got to go back to kick six. That's certainly one of them. Um, maybe the game, maybe maybe the 89 Iron Bowl. That was a great one, too. Uh, that, that was fantastic because the way the game started, Alabama – came out of their locker rooms, split the team in half, and one uh, they came up each of the sidelines, kind of like running up each sideline. It was the most preposterous, ridiculous thing in the whole world. And just to be able to go back out there and just beat their butts was just so, so incredible. <laughs> so great. 
And, and they I, deserve that so badly. It was wonderful. You know, I obviously I was born during that time, uh, so but I was not a, a coherent enough <laughs> in my age <laughs> to appreciate that. Uh, but it, it's one of those things that I have had told and retold to me about, you know, this, this was happening during your lifetime and you just didn't know it. And it's just an incredible thing to hear those of you that were able to fully appreciate what happened that day. One thing people never, I've never heard too many people talk about is back then when you went into Jordan Hare Stadium, they used to give you shakers, these little paper shakers, and you would, you would take them, they give everyone to go through the turnstile and you'd, you'd shake the hell out of them when you're, when you're out there during, during the game. But late in the third quarter, going into the fourth, the crowd was so revved up. They're shaking these paper shakers so hard. There's almost like this, this orange bluish haze that is mm-hmm. filling the, the, the November sky over the stadium. It was just the craziest thing in the whole world. The weather was perfect that day. And I mean, it was just one of those things where I don't care who came in the stadium. It could have been the, the, the green Bay Packers. No one was going to beat Auburn on that day. Yeah. And it, it's, it's one of those experiences too, where I, I I'm sure that the, the crowd at Jordan here stadium was worth 21 points alone. No it's, interest, it's interesting that you brought the paper shakers. I had a conversation with Letitia uh, Duro, is who um, is the cheerleader sponsor now at Auburn, and talked a lot about the paper shakers two episodes ago, episode uh, 29. Uh, so if you want to hear about uh, how much she finally looks at those, but is glad they are gone, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting story to listen to. Um, but we are at your final question, uh, and sometimes the hardest, but we'll see. Uh, describe Auburn to me in one word other than family. Wow. Gosh almighty, that is tough. I was going to say tradition, but everyone says tradition. Uh, gosh almighty. Wow. That is that is a, definitely a, a stumper. I could think of a phrase as who we are, uh, but no, I, I'd probably have to go back to, to home. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, I could be anywhere in the world and uh, you, know, you could have a, a, a game on, on television and you could hear the fight song and you can just close your eyes and you're transformed to that spot. You remember what the stadium smells like. You know what the the the, the what the crowd when they're full tilt. How how the, the vibration of humanity. You just feel it rattling in your soul. Um, in a in a big game, and you you hear the the crowd going bananas. You can feel the the your hair stand up on end. It's just incredible. But at the same time, there's this togetherness that happens when you overcome a really really tough point in the game. And it could be basketball, it could be it could be football, it could be baseball, it could be it could be golf, it could be what equestrian sports. There's just this spiritual connective tissue that 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 binds everything together. So to me, it's home. It just reminds me of, of who I was, what I am, and, and and what we can all be. Absolutely. It's it's all of a sudden I'm not a 51 year old guy anymore. I can hear that fight song, close my eyes. I'm 14 years old, or I'm 30 years old, and I can remember who I was with, what I was doing, how I was feeling, and it is just this transfer mechanism that can bring you right back to these places, but at the same time, you're living in the moment. So all of it, to me, it's it's just home. Well, I don't know about the listeners, but I, I have chills right now, so I don't know if there's a, a better way to wrap this show up and, and telling your Auburn story, and you know, I know there's, there's probably so much more we didn't even get into there, but just the fact that you were willing to come on here Reynolds and, and share just a little bit about yourself and what it's been like for your experiences in Auburn family has been very entertaining and very uh, informative and I do appreciate you spending some time with us today truly an honor and I appreciate it War Eagle War Eagle to you as well we'll have many more opportunities for you to even share your Auburn roots here on this series we'll be back again very soon and until then War Eagle